us at the invitation that you gave us, the opportunity to worship with you today. I uh, looked out and saw some dear saints family that we've worshiped with through the years, and uh, we're so blessed to see them today. Brother Lynn and Sister Faye, great soul winners. And Teresa and I were blessed to work alongside them most of our adult life. And you, if you want to know about a servant, you want to, you want to, we can parade that couple up here. They are tremendous soul winners. And Brother Spooner, when Teresa and I were just young pastor and wife, trying to find our way through that maze of how it's done, never have done it on that magnitude before, uh, the Belotes were always there to be that steady hand to help us, and we love them for it. Um, and to see this handsome couple right here on the front row, Man, we got to travel a little bit with them through the years, convention, Israel. I'm telling you, you get to kind of know people when you do that, you know. Uh, there's some things I could tell you, and I won't, but I'll always hold it back in case I need it. But... Uh, you wonderful brothers and your wives, we love you so much, honor and respect you. And you know, that I don't know why I'm feeling so emotional today. I, maybe I've reached that age in life where all of a sudden all this nostalgia stuff just weighs heavy on me. But um, I look out there and see Jeff all grown up and Sheila all grown up and all there. You know, uh, here I am. People say, you know, you just look the same. I said, well, either I was a real ugly young man or I'm a real good-looking old man. <laughs> Thank you. I'm reading today in the scripture from the Song of Solomon. I know that's not a very popular place to preach from. I should probably have the attention of this front row just in my reading today. <clears throat> and hopefully they'll listen to the word. But the writer says in Song of Solomon chapter one in verse number two, simply this, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth for thy love is better than wine. Everyone said amen. God bless you as you're seated. I'd like to take from my subject today a kiss. Everybody say a kiss. Uh, don't sit there and act like you don't know what I'm preaching about. But pastor, when you call me, the Lord I felt directed me to this. Uh, it may not be what you were wanting, but I feel it today. I want to explain some things more perfectly if I can and hope that we all have a complete understanding of uh, our relationship with our, our Heavenly Father, the lover of our soul. So I want to preach on a kiss. A kiss is probably one of the most personal, intimate actions one person can give another. When you really understand what a kiss is, you realize right away that you've got to get close to kiss. 
You'll hear me say that several times this afternoon because I want you to understand. You can get a beautiful card off the rack that's just very appropriate for the occasion and you can write really neat things and underlying words that are just uh, powerful and then you can do all kinds of X's and O's and sign it. But I got news for you. That's really not a kiss. You can send it to your sweetheart. She appreciates it. She understands the gesture. But remember, you got to be close to kiss. You can stand at a distance. You don't have to get close to do this one. And you can... You can blow a kiss. Everybody knows what that means. But really, it's not a kiss. It's just a semblance of that. It's not a kiss. The reason is you got to get, you got to get close to kiss. A kiss should never be given in frivolity or should never be received that way. And the reason is a kiss matters. A kiss means something. A kiss says something. And most importantly, a kiss speaks of relationship. Because you got to get close to kiss. It speaks of relationship. The honoriness is working and I'm fighting it right now. My wife's praying over there, oh God, please help him, Lord Jesus. You find examples of this all throughout the scripture if you care to investigate. In Proverbs 27 and verse number six, it speaks this word, these words, the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. And what better example would we have than in the garden when Judas comes up to Jesus and kisses him? Yeah. In Luke chapter seven and verse 45, and I love this story, Jesus sits down at the house of a Pharisee, the Bible said. And he's there for an occasion that he's going to eat and dine with them. And this is when the Bible said a woman comes into the room. And the Bible said she was a sinner. And she brings an alabaster box of ointment and she begins to weep. And as she weeps, she washes his feet with her tears, and then she wipes them with her hair. And then the Bible says she kisses the feet of Jesus and anoints them with this precious ointment. This is when he says, Jesus, to Simon, who was the host at that, that dinner, thou gavest me no kiss. Remember, a kiss matters. A kiss speaks of relationship. You got to get close to kiss. And Simon, you have not kissed me, but this woman, he said, since the time I came in hath not ceased to kiss my feet. And he turns to her and he says, thy sins are forgiven. The power of a kiss. You see, a kiss means something. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Five times you read in scripture and it mentions a holy kiss, a kiss of love or a kiss of charity. You see, a kiss matters. And that's what I want to talk about today. Because you see, we come to church and we gather together from all the course of life and we, we bring our needs and our, our wants and, and our praise and our worship here. But when we come to the house of the Lord, we think about why we should be praising God or why we should worship the Lord. Uh, we think about praise and we think about uh, worship and we think about team uh, worship and we think about team leaders and we think about choirs and singers and all of these things represent worship to us and it should because that's how it expresses itself to us in this day that we live in but when you look at the heart of what we're doing when we worship the Lord you find something far more than what we think really we're doing because you realize there's something when you get in a relationship with God God that creates or causes the worship to flow from a child of God to his heavenly father or her heavenly father. In his book, Rabbi Khan says in the original Greek, the word worship, it means to kiss God. Now think about that for a moment. True worship is when an individual kisses God. A kiss matters. A kiss says something. A kiss speaks of relationship. Hey, folks, you got to get close to kiss. So to worship God is to kiss God, to kiss him from your heart, from the abundance of the love you have, that innermost being. You just began to worship God. God and when you do that the Bible is saying what you're doing is kissing God so when you kiss you don't do it because you have to you do it because you want to you do it because of relationship you do it because of the closeness you feel oh hallelujah you don't feel uncomfortable when you lift your hands and raise your voice and you worship the Lord there's just something about the relationship of the creation and the creator it just feels natural when you have that kind of relationship oh somebody lift your voice and give thanks so we worship God freely because we want to worship him so true worship is never done by compulsion we don't need somebody up here cheerleading us, encouraging us. Folks, when I got up this morning, I had a reason to worship the Lord. I didn't have to be encouraged. I didn't need somebody reminding me how good God's been to me. Oh, hallelujah. And so true worship is never done by compulsion, but it's freely given from the overflow of the heart. One reason we kiss is because when we kiss, it brings us joy. Yeah. So a kiss is an expression of joy. So true worship is an expression of joy. You worship out of joy. Is there anybody excited about this journey? Anybody get up this morning and you just felt thankful? 
God. I'm free, free, free from this world of sin. Oh, it just causes you to want to worship the Lord. Your, your joy becomes worship. Your worship becomes joy. The psalmist said it this way. In his presence, remember you gotta get close to kiss. In his presence is, you've been reading your Bible, fullness of joy. It doesn't get any better than fullness. Folks, in his presence, there's no room to complain. There's no room to have an ugly spirit. There's no room to do the things that are unpleasant. In his presence is fullness of joy because when you get close to him, you just want to kiss him. Hallelujah. 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 Dictionary defined it this way. Worship is reverent honor paid to God. That's, that's good. I like this next one though. Worship is to adore. To adore. Now, we understand something today and I don't want to confuse anybody. I want to do this to clarify what I'm talking about. We, we, I don't want to say loosely, but we use a lot the word praise. I'm not talking about praise today. Now, I will talk about praise in a minute, but that's not my subject. Because we know this. I'm not giving you anything new, but we, we know this. We praise God for what he has done for us. We got a reason to praise God, folks. If you're breathing air... Hallelujah. I feel better now I'm reaching the back row. So praise is, is what we do to God or for God because of what he's done for us. But that's not worship. Worship, we worship God for who he is to us. We worship God simply out of relationship. Now, this is important. I'll get back to it, as I said, because God is very important to us and we need to understand what we're talking about here today. We kiss God not for what he does for us, but for, he, for who he is to us. Now, Teresa, if you can keep me alive till December, we're gonna celebrate 55 years. Now, they should never let three-year-olds get married. But 55 years, she's been my sweetheart. And she's done a lot of things for me that I praise her for. But I'm gonna tell you something. There's an occasion or two that she might be doing what she does. And I might just slip up behind her, throw my arms around her, give her a big old bear hug, and just give her a big old kiss. And she might say, what's that for? Nothing, just for you. Just for you being who you are. It brings me joy when I can do that. Oh, I might thank her, praise her, when she gives me something like at Christmas or my birthday, that's different. But in the middle of the week, 
Maybe her hair up in curlers after she gets up in the morning getting ready to go. Oh, I don't want to go there, you know. But I just, I just have the compulsion to throw my, see that's the kind of relationship God wants with his church. He doesn't want us just to praise him for all the stuff. He wants us to get up in the morning before anything happens and worship him. David said, let me tell you, this is the day the Lord made. He said, I'm gonna tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm not gonna wait till the end of the day and to Decide if he's worthy to be worshiped. He said, I'm gonna rejoice right now. There's joy in me right now. It doesn't matter what happens today. He made this day. I'm gonna rejoice. I'm gonna worship him. How about some worshipers this Sunday here in the house of the Lord? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. One of the greatest examples of this is recorded in Genesis 22. It's when Abraham is making that journey up the side of Moriah and he's taking with him that most prized gift possession that God gave him, his son Isaac. And the Bible tells us he pauses at the foot or the base of the mountain and he turns around to those who accompanied he and his son and he simply says to them, stay here. And I read it, I and the lad will go yonder and worship. Now what that's telling me is he's not wondering or worrying about what's gonna happen when he gets up there on Moriah. Sure, he knows the instruction and the assignment given him by God Almighty, but that doesn't matter to him. He's not concerned about anything. Whatever happens up there, he said, God is already worthy of my worship. Hey, where you going, Abraham? Me and my son, we're going up yonder to kiss God. That's what we're gonna do. We're gonna get close to him. We've got a relationship with him. We're gonna throw our arms around him and it doesn't matter what happens. We're gonna worship the Lord. If you don't have a reason to praise God, you've got every reason to worship. It's, it's not what has he done for me lately. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Some call it sacrifice. See, that's what somebody said he was going to do. But he said, no, I'm going to worship the Lord. Your sacrifice should be worship. Oh, hallelujah. Paul said, for I know in whom I believe. I love that. In 2 Samuel 12, the Bible said, then David arose from the earth, washed and anointed himself, changed his apparel, and came into the house of the Lord and worshiped. When you understand the context of that phrase there, it's when his son, his child has died and he takes off the garment of mourning, the Bible said, and he kisses God. Isn't that incredible? Isaiah said God would give us the oil of joy for mourning. 
Remember, joy is worship and worship is joy. And sometimes what we need to do in the middle of the struggle of living a human life, we need to pause and quit looking at the stuff or the things. And we need to look up to the lover of our soul and say, I want to love you for who you are and put our arms around God and kiss him. That's what we need to do. Take off those garments of mourning and put on the robe of joy and kiss the Lord. Somebody say amen. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Paul loved to worship the Lord. The hour cometh, the scripture says, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And here's the part I like. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. There's an APB out on worshipers. God's this this Sunday God's going from house to house church to church looking for somebody that's not worried about stuff or things but just looking for somebody that has such a love in their heart a joy that they want to lift their hands and worship the Lord they want to sing and they want to clap and they want to dance or whatever however they you see worship can be all kinds of ways but God's looking searching seeking for somebody to worship him. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Exodus 34, 14 says, for thou shalt worship no other God. For the Lord whose name is Jealous. You want to know his name? Jealous is a jealous God. Yeah? I don't mind you appreciating my sweet wife, but I'm a jealous husband. Keep your distance. Elijah got it all wrong. He said, I'm the only one left. And the Lord said, Elijah, you don't have a clue. You're not the only one left. I've got 7,000 whose knees have not bowed to Baal, nor whose mouth has not kissed him. He said, there's some folk that love me more than they love the things of this world. There's some folk uh, that have a relationship with me that nothing in this world can rob that. Oh, church, how about somebody today that says, I know I've got struggles. I know I have problems. I know I have needs, but I'm gonna worship God in spite of it. I'm gonna go into the house of the Lord in absence of the things that I thought I wanted and live Lift my voice and worship him. God's looking for somebody to worship him. Woo! You can blow a kiss. You can put X's and O's down. But you gotta get close. You gotta have a relationship. Oh, hallelujah. I wish there was somebody prettier than you sitting up here that I could make my point. But you're going to have to do, okay? God is, listen, if you don't hear, and, I, and I'll hurry on, okay, because I know we got pizza waiting or something. But, 
But if you don't hear any, anything else I say today, this, this little bit right here is a nugget of truth I've held in my heart for a long, long time. Once I internalized this and began to understand this, it created uh, something in me that I've never forgotten. So get this little thing right now. If you have to write it down, do so. But God has put a worship in all of his children. God's put worship in all of his children. So here's my point. If you don't worship him, you will worship something. Did, did you get it? If you are a baptized believer here today filled with his spirit, he's put worship in you. And if you sit there and don't worship God, you will find yourself worshiping something. So there may be sickness or loss or disappointments, even failure. Things that come your way, you have no reason to worship, you think. Because things aren't there that we're looking forward to. He's a reason to worship, not things. The psalmist said in two of the divisions of Psalm 42 and 43, something I thought quite remarkable. It was David who was being tormented and taunted by his enemies. And uh, it seemed to him that this was never going to end. There was nothing he could do to, to prevent it. And so the Bible gives us a little insight to how David is, is, is viewing all this struggle he's in at the moment. And uh, the Bible tells us that he speaks of his tears. And he frames it with a sense of hopelessness. He's in a hopeless state. And he's actually living in a mindset of desperation or despair. He's depressed, he's miserable. He's living in a state of sorrow. And then he is expressing, if only God would deliver me from these deceitful, unjust men. That, that's all I'm asking God to do. And that's when in the middle of all this, and listen to this, David decides he's gonna kiss God. He said, I'm gonna get so close to God, I'm not gonna blow him a kiss. I'm not gonna send him a letter with X's and O's. He said, I'm in trouble and there's nothing I can do or anyone can do to deliver me. He said, I'm gonna get as close to God as I can get and I'm gonna worship him and when he decides to worship God, everything changes. Have you ever noticed when a little child has a boo-boo, all it needs is mama to kiss it? It fixes it. Oh, somebody whose heart's broken, somebody who's in a struggle, somebody who's going through stuff and you don't see your way out of it, get close to him and let him kiss it away. David said, I'm gonna worship. And when he begins to worship, his, his feeling sorrowful for himself, his complaining begins to leave him. And all of a sudden things change that he never thought could change. It all happens. His perspective on life is different all because he gets close to God. And when he gets close to God, he kisses God. And that's the answer.
When you kiss God, it's bigger than any problem or pain or disappointment this old world could ever give. Because when you kiss, you got to get close. And you can't get close to him without him covering you with something that cannot be penetrated by the powers of the enemy. Oh, hallelujah. I stood humbled. I thought, Pastor, when you were speaking about how privileged Teresa and I have been through the years to, to minister. We've been so many places and some very pleasant and some not so. But I've, I've stood humbled as I watched them, the precious saints, with no shoes on their feet. They had no designer duds, just rags at best to wear. There was no carpet, sometimes not even flooring, but dirt. They didn't have padded chairs to sit on, and oh, thank God we do. I remember the day. Yeah. Folks, if you survived the day, you're pretty good. Back in that day, but anyhow. But, but I, I've, I've watched them. I've watched them as they literally walked miles to come to church. And then I observed after they got there, they didn't seem to be concerned or care about any of the stuff they were going through or living through. They weren't aware, it seemed, of any of their surroundings. They were just there to worship the Lord. And they didn't have much in their pocket to give in an offering, but they had a lot of worship. And they, they, they would, tears would be running down their face and they would dance. I can, some of the greatest dancing I've ever seen in my life or in some of these places where they didn't have any reason to dance, you would think. But see what happened? They got close to him. And when they got close to him, their worship became joy and their joy became worship. And they forgot all the other stuff. They were just glad to be in the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Because see what's gonna happen there. I get to kiss God. and So that's what was happening. They were thankful and grateful for their salvation. Now I told you there's a difference in praise and worship. And David said, while I live, will I praise the Lord. This is written in the first person. And why is, why is that important? Because in praise, the first person really matters because nobody knows what God's done for you like you do. Right. Right. I love to praise God when he does stuff for me. And, and I can do it better than you can because you don't know what he did for me. You, you don't know the timing of what he did for me. And you, you don't understand what he did for me. And so, so you praise him in the first person. That means if you're a king, you should praise the Lord. If you're rich or poor, it doesn't matter. You should praise the Lord. If you're illiterate or got a PhD, you ought to praise the Lord. If you're a saint sitting on a pew or a preacher standing behind a pulpit desk spitting, you, shall, you ought to praise the Lord. 
Amen, because nobody knows like you know what God's done for you. When you woke up this morning, that's reason enough to rejoice and praise the Lord. The, the, the writer goes on, the psalmist in 147, David simply says this. He said, we need to be a reasonable servant. We, we give a reason why we praise the Lord because God heals the broken in heart. He he gathers together the outcasts. Look around you today. That's reason enough to praise the Lord. He, he, he counts the number of stars and calleth all of them by their name and he lifts up the meek and he blessed your children and he feeds us and he protects us and he gives us peace and for that we praise him. But I've come to tell you, if he does none of that again in your life, you've got a reason to worship him. Oh, when you get up in the morning, I don't care how you feel or what condition you're in physically. You've got a reason to worship the Lord. You may not have a reason in this world to worship him, you think, but you've got every reason in heaven to worship him. I'm gonna get close to God and when I get close to him, I'm gonna kiss him. Probably most of us here today, as I come down, can quote Romans 12 and 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy unto God, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now that's the King James Version. And, and when he uses this reasonable service, that word service is defined in the original actually by three different words. So there are three words that could have been put in there. One is service, and that's what King James uses. And the other is ministry. It's your reasonable ministry to present your body a living sacrifice. And that, that's appropriate. But there is a third word. And he says that we should present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable worship. Worship. Oh, hallelujah. I didn't put myself out when I put my arms around that girl and said, I love you. Put that kiss right there. No, it was my reasonable. I had a reason. It was acceptable. Amen? And I had to get close to kiss. David said, oh, come let us worship. I was glad, as I mentioned earlier, when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord because he knew when he got there, there's going to be a lot of worshiping. And so I would invite someone today to if you can, step beyond all the stuff. Step beyond all the problems and all the issues, all the misunderstandings, all the grievances, all the done wrongs by others in times past. Because the, the only thing that really matters is my relationship with him. Let me leave you as I close today, and I am, 
by revisiting the story of Job, and I'll condense it to just a few words. The Bible calls him the greatest of all men of the East. The Bible identifies him as a perfect and upright man. The Bible said he was one that feared God and hated evil. And when we see the story progress, we find another character introduced who is called Satan. Satan comes to the Lord and he invites a, a comment into a conversation he had no, no right to, but the Lord listened to him. And he said, you know, you've blessed Job and you've increased him. But he said, I'm gonna tell you, the only reason he's that kind of man in relationship to you is because of that. And if you take all the stuff away that really matters to him, he'll, he'll not serve you, he'll curse you. And so God said, all right, let's see. And the Bible said that's exactly what he did. All the things that he was blessed with were, were removed from him. And in Job 1 and 20, this is how Job responds when everything that matters is gone in this life. The Bible said Job fell down upon the ground. Just can't get any lower than that. He got down as far as he could go and the Bible said he worshiped. You see, he, he must have understood later on in Deuteronomy it was gonna tell us that underneath are the everlasting arms. So when you get to the bottom, guess who you're gonna find there? And when you find him at the bottom and you have that kind of relationship with him, instead of filling his ears with complaints, you love him and you kiss him. And that's what Job did. And then Job said, and I want you to catch this, that's when he said, the Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Notice he gives no credit to Satan. Doesn't mention him at all. He's not part of the equation. Quit giving, quit giving the devil any credit for anything. Job lost everything and never mentioned the devil. He said it was the Lord. He might have used the devil, but it was the Lord that gives and the Lord that takes away. I'm gonna kiss him for that. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Would you stand with me right now? Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. The scripture says he's the same yesterday, today and forever. I'm not telling you how to do it. When it comes to worship, there's no one size fits all. Amen? But the fact is, as he being the same yesterday and today and forever, that's reason enough to worship him. Praise the Lord. I, I love what God's doing around here. And so let me just tell you, when you kiss God, nothing else really matters. Can you say amen? Pastor, I know you don't know and I sure don't know every need in this congregation. 
today. But we won't have to go very far down very many rows. And somebody's got an issue. Things going on in life. Physically, spiritually, relationally. But I promise you today, the answer to curing it all is to get just as close as you can to your heavenly Father. Let Him be your covering. Let Him put those great big old eternal arms around you. And when you kiss God, worship is joy. And joy is worship. It does something to put in perspective the things of life. Lift your voices together right now.